This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm just so glad to see you all out today. Good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? All right. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up real, real high. I'll give you an opportunity to see the Word of God. If you've been here very long, you know I like to say it this way. You get into God's Word and God will get into you. And when God starts getting into you, woo, you're talking about big changes. Big changes will start taking place. And as you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Revelations, chapter 14. Now, we're starting a new series today, and these, these maps are this of the nation of Israel is what this is. And so we're going to go to certain uh, places each week. Actually, we're going to go on a road trip. And just at times in my life when I study the Bible, you'll see certain cities that pop up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Some of those cities that we'll visit today, we'll visit Joppa, the upcoming weeks, Lodibar, also uh, Ziklag, also Gilgal. Those are all cities in, in uh, Israel. And so there's some significance with every one of them. You know, just like in the natural. You don't go to Carlsbad Caverns to see um, the, the things of Disney World. You go to see the caverns. And so there's things that are specifically that take place in certain cities. Well, that's what happens in the Bible. So we're going to visit some of them. Now, today we're going to talk about compassion a little bit. Compassion is feeling what other, uh, other people feel. And I believe it's important that we ask God, fill us with compassion. That we live feeling what other people feel. And our greatest commodity in life is people. Okay? That's our greatest commodity. Not profit, not how much money we can make, but our greatest commodity in life is people. And so why don't we just start praying and asking and saying, Father God, give me a heart for people. Let me see people through your eyes. Let's begin here in Revelation 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel. Now, that word everlasting means unending. It means duration, unchanging. And the word gospel itself means good news. So the eternal good news for what? To preach to those who dwell on the earth. So what is this everlasting eternal gospel meant for? Is for the people on the earth, for us to hear the good news. And he gets real specific next. And he says... To every nation, to every tribe, to every tongue, and to every people. And so what you see here, right right here in this verse, this is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So just in reading this passage right here, understand God's heart for every person, every language, every tongue, every people. We've got to get that in our hearts today. Now go with me to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And when you look at the eternal gospel or the eternal good news, understand this, only the truth sets people free. Only the truth. The truth is the Bible. It's the Word of God, okay? And sometimes the Word of God is annoyingly accurate. Sometimes the Word of God will hit you right between the eyes in a good way, but it's only the truth that will set you free. So listen to me right now. Open up your heart to the truth, the Bible today, okay? Let the Bible teach us. 
Acts 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. A devout man. A devout man. Now, you know what the word devout means? A thoroughly good man. Okay? So this man named Cornelius was a thoroughly good man. How did he become a devout man? Or what's the characteristics of a devout man? Now look and pay attention to this right here. It'll show you. One who fears God with all his household. One who gave alms generously to the people. And one who prayed to God always. Not just in good times, but always. So there's three characteristics right here that make up a devout man. He fears God. He gives and he prays. And so when you're, you're titled a devout man in the Bible, you just don't get that for the fun of it. Okay? There's things that I must do and things that I must live to get that name. And so this gives you a little insight about Cornelius. Keep reading here with me. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So the very things that Cornelius sacrificed for, it got, it got God's attention. His giving and his praying. So you know what this tells me? God noticed. And not only did God notice what Cornelius was doing, understand this, that Cornelius was not a Jew he was a Gentile, so in those Bible times, he was viewed as uncommon or unclean. In other words, he was born on the wrong side of the tracks, but yet God still noticed him. And God still notices me and you. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So in this, uh, in this passage... The Lord gives Cornelius instruction. He says, listen, you've got to go to the city of Joppa and find this man named Peter. Why? Peter would tell them about the Bible. He would show them what, what it looked like to be born again. So this is our first mention of Joppa here today. Now, where this X is, that is Joppa today. Joppa was on the coast of the Sea of the Mediterranean Sea. If you were to study Joppa today or look for it on the map, it would be south of what is modern-day Tel Aviv, okay? So it was right on the ocean. So Cornelius sends men to Joppa for this guy named Peter, and Peter ultimately goes back to Caesarea with these guys, and we pick up Acts 10, verse 24. And the following day, they entered Caesarea, talking about Peter. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet, and he worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. So Cornelius plays, plays great honor to Peter here, but Peter looks at him and says, Man, dude, get up. Get up. I'm just a man. I'm just a human being, just like you. Now look what he says next in, in verse number 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company 
with or go to one of another nation. This was the Jewish-Gentile conflict. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. I want you to circle a word maybe there. Any man. He's saying here, there is not any man that is viewed as uncommon or unclean in God's eyes. Same chapter. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, no favoritism. God is unbiased. Now listen to some of these other translations. The message says God plays no favorite. The Amplified says He is no respecter of persons. God's not. Verse 35. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Now get this in God's eyes. Peter's clarifying some things here, guys. In every nation, doesn't matter what nation, people that receive Jesus, God becomes Lord of all. It makes no difference is what he's telling us. This was a big event. So all of Cornelius and his household gets born again. After they get born again, we pick up in Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles, Cornelius, had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. They criticized him. They opposed him. Now look what it says in verse 3. Saying, you went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them? You rubbed shoulders with them? You hung out with them? And in a roundabout, you know what they're saying? You've got to be kidding me. What's wrong with you? You know you don't do those things. Same chapter, verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus, who was thy that I could withstand God? Who am I that I could withstand God? Now, what he's telling them there, you see God's will through this. God shows no partiality. So what he's saying here is, if God shows no partiality, who am I to show partiality? Now, think about this. If God is no respecter of persons, what about me? What about you? Now, let's just break this down just for a second here. Do I show favoritism to other types of people? Am I unbiased to other types of people because their color of skin is different than mine or yours? Just ask yourself that. Am I unbiased to people because they don't speak English? Am I unbiased to people just because they're not Americans? See, it's very easy to get caught up in that trap But if we look what the Bible says, and we're truly born again, our characteristics should begin to reveal that of our Father in our heart. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. 
He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now note in there, it didn't say, brothers, let us love one another if we're of the same skin. It doesn't say that. So we've got to get back, guys, where we understand this is what Father God says, and this is what Father God expects out of us. Because this junk of being prejudiced has been around a long, long time. Now go with me to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Where is Jonah? Well, it's toward the back of the Old Testament. Tucked in there between Obadiah and Micah and Nahum. Okay? Jonah chapter 1. My, my Bible, page 1196. Probably won't help you a stinking bit, but we'll go ahead and throw it out there, all right? Now, if we were to go back, as you're turning there, you're going to Jonah 1. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to get there. Jonah's one of them little bitty, little bitty bit, four chapters in it. A lot of times, that's where your pages are all stuck together. If you go back in the New Testament and look or follow Jesus' lives, many, many occasions, it said Jesus was moved with compassion. Who was Jesus moved with compassion toward? People. And the word compassion... It relates to those who are hurting, people, people that are lost, people that are distressed, just people that are in bad shape. And so Jesus was moved with compassion. But what about me and you? Now we're going to learn some more about this, okay? Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Now right here, Father God, He gives Jonah an assignment. And He says to Jonah, He says, Now I want you to go to Nineveh. And the reason I want you to go to Nineveh is because of their wickedness. Now the word wickedness right there in the Hebrew, it means trouble, misery, difficulty, and even even harm. Now, now, God is concerned, guys, with their distress and even the condition of their city. It's so extreme that it gets God's attention. Now, now, notice again, pay real close attention to some of the words here. Go to Nineveh and cry out against it. In other words, go and begin to tell them what they're doing is wrong, okay? Now, how many of you ever figured this out? When you start telling people that there's certain things in their life that they're doing wrong, people don't like to hear it. They get mad. Who do you think you are? So here he's telling Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want to tell them about what they're doing. Their wickedness. Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, there it is, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So when you look at this, the assignment was for him to go to Nineveh. But he gets this brilliant idea while he's in Joppa. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go to Tarshish. So what Jonah's doing right here, guys... He's running from God. And when you start running from God, guys, it's not good. 
not because God is going to get you. Now, I want to get this point across to you today. God's not standing up there in heaven when you're running from him, just waiting for you to mess up. I'm going to swat him. No, that's not the heart of God, okay? God is not into swatness. What happens is when we run from God, we open ourselves up to the devil. We open ourselves up to bad things. That's why it's not good to run from God. Now, in this passage here, not only does he run from God, here's the million dollar question. Why is he running from God? Why did he take off? So the next few verses here and into chapter 2, I'm just going to paraphrase them. Jonah gets on this this ship in Joppa. And he goes down into the basement of the ship. And he's just taking a nap. He's down there snoozing. They get out on the ocean and the ocean starts rocking. I mean, it is a bad storm. Well, the captain of the ship and the mariners, they begin to figure out, we're all going to die, this is so bad. But somebody's on this ship that's causing problems for us. Well, they figure out it's O'Jonah. That's why it's not good, guys, to run to, to hang out with people that are running from God. Not a good idea. So when they figure out it's Jonah, Jonah finally admits to them, I'm the problem, boys. So you know what they do to Jonah? They throw him overboard. Some of you need to throw those Jonas in your life overboard, okay? Get them out of there, all right? I'm telling you, every time you get around them, all hell breaks loose. Just you don't be the Jonah, all right? So get this picture here. They throw Jonah overboard. He hits the water, and this big whale comes and... Now listen, guys, that's not the, the anger of God. That's the mercy of God. That's the love of God. You know why I say that? God was trying to get Jonah's attention. How many of you have ever run from God and God would use certain things in your life to get your attention? That's happened to me. And it wasn't because God wanted bad for me. It was His, it was his mercy. Now think about when you're in the belly of the whale. There's no sports center down there. There's no watching your favorite movie. There's not a drive through McDonald's there, okay? So you know what that means? God's got your attention. And while he's got Jonah's attention in this, you know what Jonah does? He repents. He repents for what he did. That's important that we understand that. So this is the paraphrased edition. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, after Jonah uh, uh, repents, God calls, ca- causes this whale to cruise right up to the, uh, uh, the, the beach. Now get this, you got to get this. I can see all this. Then I'm at the beach and I got my frisbee out. Man, I'm hanging out. We're down there playing at the beach. All of a sudden there's this big commotion and all this water. This, this whale comes cruising up. And all of a sudden he opens his mouth and blop, and this dude comes falling out. It's awesome. I mean, can you imagine? He got seaweed all over him and shrimp in his pockets. And I, th- This is going to be a good one to watch in heaven, the rerun of this, guys, okay? I, I live this thing. You guys look at me. I can see all this. I can envision it all. So this is where we pick up, chapter 3. So Jonah's been vomited out, all right? He's still alive. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Thank God God's a God of a second chance. 
for some of us, the God of a thousand chances. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So he says to him the second time, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So what's the big deal about this? Well, understand this, guys. That when he says here, preach the message that I tell you, sometime as a human being, that's not a lot of fun. And there has been many, 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 many of Saturday nights that I've played tug-of-war with God. Wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning, and I've told God, I'm not going to preach that. I'm not going to do it. And the Lord said, yes, you are. You need to speak to this is what I... Why do you say that? Because you find out as a human being, when you preach the truth to people, sometimes they get PO'd. Personally offended. Don't be offended by the truth, Okay. Because a lot of times what happens, the truth is unpopular, but only the truth will set you free. See, I'm telling you guys, sometimes I don't like the truth, but I realize, man, I need a double dose of the truth today. To hear the Word of God and realize, this is what I'm doing. And many times it's unpopular. Sometimes society won't get, uh, or they won't agree with it. Sometimes society gets mad, and if you're not careful, you fear man instead of God. So he tells him, You go to Nineveh, and you preach the word that I tell you. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Oh, happy day. He obeyed according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Now, they talk about uh, um, Nineveh. And in parts of Nineveh, it was between 30 and 60 miles to get across there. He didn't have a crotch rocket. He didn't have a sports car to do this, guys. Look what it says here in the next verse, verse 4. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. So when he starts preaching the Word of God, that the Word that God had given him, he's got to walk all the way across Nineveh. It takes him three days. And he's going across Nineveh, and look what he says. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, if you lived in Nineveh, that wasn't good news. When you hit 40 days, this city's going to be destroyed. And so the purpose of this was for them to repent. For them to heed the word of the Lord from Jonah. Verse number 5, same chapter. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They heeded what Jonah had said. They proclaimed a fast. They put on sackcloth from their greatest to the least of these. Let me give you a little insight about what sackcloth was. Anytime in the Old Testament they would put on sackcloth and ashes, that was a significant symbol of repentance. Man, they would begin to pour their heart out and they would begin to repent. They would begin to confess their sins. That's just, that's just half of what repentance means. To repent means to, to confess your sins. But look what else it means in verse 10. Then God saw their works. What did God see? That they turned from their evil way. That's the other side of repentance. The starting of, uh, of repentance for every one of us is for me to verbally confess my sins. That's First John 1, nine. The second part of, of repentance is to do a 180. To turn from my wicked ways. So that's what they did. Now get this. And God relented. 
He changed his mind from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is what happens, guys, when people begin to repent. This would what happens if America would begin to repent. That's why we got to pray, guys, that America will repent and turn from our wicked ways, and God will heal our land. So the people of Nineveh, they repent. Oh, happy day? Not. Look what happens in verse four, or chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. What's up with that? Why is he so mad? Why is he so angry? Well, guys, this takes us back right here to answer the million-dollar question. Why did he flee in the very first place? And now, why is he angry? Because Jonah hated the Ninevites. He despised them. They were the Assyrians. And they were notorious for killing the Israelis, the Jews. And he did not want them to be saved. And it made him mad. Now look what goes on here, verse 2. So he prayed, this is Jonah to the Lord, and he said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. So you know what he's saying here? The reason I fled to Tarshish the first time is because I knew if I would go to Nineveh and tell them to repent and they repented, you would forgive them. You would let them go. And this made him mad. And you know what he was really saying here? Give them the justice that they rightly deserve. Now, how many of us can be that way? I can tell you that right now in my life. One of the hardest things in me is what took place in America on 9-11 when we got blown up. I can honestly tell you it brought me great satisfaction when our Navy SEALs killed Osama bin Laden. I rejoiced. I hooted and hollered. I mean, when they would go in there and Man, you would see they blew up a safe house here and there, and I'd say, yes, yes. But yet again, wait a second. Those are people of every nation, of every tongue, that God created, that God shows no respecter of persons. And so when I put myself in Jonah's shoes, it's easy to judge Jonah and say, why was he like that? The same reason me and you are. And I've got to be very careful then. So now I've, I've allowed God to move in my heart. And I've repented. And I said, God, change my heart toward the Muslims. That God loves them. So you begin to get the drift and see the picture. It's easy to judge on Jonah and say, what's up with that dude? Verse 4. Verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. He is so angry here, guys. He's so mad that he said, I'd rather die than live and watch this. 
Now, Jonah sure enjoyed the mercy of God when he was in the whale's belly. But he sure didn't want the mercy of God for these guys. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Now notice, this is a question, God. Is it right for you to be angry? And this is the same question that, that He can give me. And so I believe He's telling you, don't allow your pride and your anger to be embedded in your heart. Begin to ask God to put His character within us. And what's God's character? He's merciful. He's gracious. He's forgiving. He's love and He's kind. Not easy, is it, guys? Verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. So get this. This is what's going on here, guys. He goes to the east side of the city. He's up on this hill, and he's looking down into Nineveh. And he's scoping it all out because he wants to see, is God going to destroy it or not? And he's mad. He is mad looking down on it. Give him justice, God. Don't let him off the hook. See, it's easy for me and you to sing Amazing Grace about our lives. Woo, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. But do I want that for everybody else? Or is it just for me? No, God's grace is for anybody. His mercy is for anybody. So look what happens in verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a plant, and He made it come over, come up over Jonah, that it might shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So what God does is He teaches him a lesson here. He causes this plant to come up. And this plant shades him, and it protects him. And it says that, oh, Jonah was very grateful for that, for his life. It was God's mercy for his life. It was God's protection for his life. Verse 7. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. The plant now dies. The very plant that the day before had brought him shelter, now it dies. Now look at Jonah's response to that in verse 8. Or verse 9. Verse 8. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. So all of a sudden, he's changed his mind about the plant. Yesterday, he was so grateful and thankful for the plant, and now that he's died and it's withered and life has got hard, he said, I'd just soon die. I'd just soon die. Father God doesn't let him off the hook that easy. Verse 9, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. In other words, I don't like it, Father God. I don't like it a bit. Verse 10, But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant, for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. So you know what he's saying? You enjoyed that blessing of the plant, but you didn't have nothing to do with it. 
But now that it's died, you've changed your opinion about it. Could you not have pity? And he ends in verse 11 and said, this is God speaking. And should I not pity or spare or have compassion on Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons? Do you know what God's saying? Is it wrong for me to change my mind about the Ninevites? I said I was going to destroy them, but because they repented, I want to mercy them and grace them. And notice in there, he said, about the 120,000 people. He's telling Jonah here, why don't you take on the heart of forgiveness, and if you'll forgive them and, and celebrate this, that there'll be 120,000 people in heaven because you told them the truth. Why don't you celebrate this instead of being mad about it? Think about this in your life, in my life. How many times do I celebrate the things of God in other people's lives? He ends with this and said, Who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, between right and wrong, and much livestock? And so what he does here, guys, is he challenges Jonah. And he said, if these people of Nineveh didn't have someone that tells them the truth, they'll be destroyed eternally. And Jonah, it doesn't bother you, but it should. I want you to think about this. Many times in our life, we can watch the news. It can, be, it can be sad for a moment. I mean, even when that Malaysia plane went down with over 200 people not long ago. I didn't know any of them. Not a big deal. People die every day. This ferry goes down off of South Korea. Over 200. I don't know any of them. See, it can be very easy for me to care less about what everybody else does. But that's not God's heart. Remember, God said back in, in, in there in Revelation 14, he, six, he said, Preach the everlasting gospel to every person. That they should have the right to do this. And so what about you? What about me? Does it bother me that people go to hell? Man, it should. I believe this, that part of the characteristic of being born again, it should bother me. It should impact me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.